God is a good God. Hi, my name is Nikki. I'm the pastor here at International Family Church in South Carolina, uh, United States. And it's been such an honor for me for the past uh, number of years to know uh, Pastors Clinton and Livia. And today just to hear what God is doing in Dubai at Hope DXB and especially the leadership in this past few months uh, of how uh, God is opening new doors and taking you to new heights in Him. Uh, also an honor to just bring God's word to you, uh, especially in this season as you're talking about generous living. And I like to talk about this because as much as God is a holy God, God is a generous God. God is a loving God. God is a generous God. And, and being generous is an important Bible concept that we need to make part of our life. And so today I'm calling my message a generous uh, I and a prosperous soul, a generous I and a prosperous soul. And so as we start this, I want to take you to the book of Proverbs chapter number 11. And the Bible says something like this in the message translation. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. A life devoted to things, mainly material things, is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. You know, when we become saved, born again, and we experience new birth, our hearts are renewed to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, and our hearts become everything inside of it becomes what can we do for others matter of fact generosity is like the foundation principles in a life of a believer you know for a number of years i've been saying that uh, of the many marks that that uh, identify a believer there are two very important you know number one is giving and number two is forgiving both are very difficult for a man or a woman who is not transformed by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And it is interesting to me when we say forgiving or forgiveness in the Bible, the disciples come to Jesus uh, and they said, Master, increase our faith. And they say it in the context when Jesus is teaching about forgiveness. It's interesting to me because when Jesus does the miracles or, or Jesus does uh, brings breakthroughs and healing, they don't say increase our faith. <laughs> but when he talks about forgiveness, they say increase our faith because it takes great faith to forgive. But not only that, it takes great faith to also practice giving in our life because when we talk about generosity of course we're going to talk also about money about having a proper biblical concept a biblical idea regarding finances regarding money regarding wealth in our life because God is a generous God God is a God who wants to bless you abundantly in your finances but please understand you and me we are called to stewardship, to steward the blessing of the Lord in a way that brings glory to God. And so the Bible has a lot to say about money. Why? Because when we look at the Bible, we begin to find out that the first sin in Israel was over the issue of silver garments. Uh, the first apostle to fall was Judas. Why? For, for the love of money, he sold uh, Christ. Uh, the first sin 
uh, in the early church was over the issue of money. Uh, also in the book of Acts, we see uh, when miracles and healing were taking place, they wanted to buy the anointing. And why? Because they had some funny ideas regarding money. You know, when you look at the Bible, you find that there are 371 verses regarding prayer, 740 verses regarding love and loving. But 2,162 verses regarding giving. The Bible talks more about giving than prayer, more about giving than love. You know, and so it is an important topic. You know, the Bible goes on to say in the book of Matthew, chapter number six, it says, it says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And so I speak about revelation. I speak about what you see. And so it says, if your eye is bad, guess what? Your whole body will be bad. That means everything that follows in your life will be filled uh, with the things that are filled in your eyes. And so Proverbs tells us in 28, 22, he who has an evil and a covetous eye hastens to be rich and knows not that poverty will come upon him. Why? Because in his eyes there is evil, there is covetousness, there is greed. But guess what? Proverbs also tells us that they that have a generous eye will be blessed. Why? Because the blessing doesn't remain with that person. It comes out of his life and is a blessing to others. And I pray through the word of God and through the help of the Holy Spirit that you have a generous eye and a prosperous soul. The Bible says in 3 John uh, verse 2 that I pray. It says, I pray that you prosper in all things, in all things, even as your soul prosper. Now, when the Bible talks about prosperity, it does not only talk about money. In the Bible, concept of prosperity is simply this, that whatever is given to you, you are able to multiply and be a blessing to others. Bible prosperity is not about just selfishness, about building your empire. No, it's about being a channel to be a blessing to others. In the last 24 years, as I've been in the ministry preaching the gospel, uh, I began to study and understand this in the Bible and in people's lives, that I began to find that there are three types of people. What do I mean by that? I mean that there are, when it comes to giving and understanding this concept, uh, there are three groups of people. Number one is what I call the bag people. Number two, the basket people. Number three, the barn people. What do you mean by that, Nikki? Well, <laughs> the barn, sorry, uh, the, the bag people are people, they never have enough. I mean, that doesn't mean they don't make a lot of money. They might even make a lot of money, might have a lot of things. But you know what? They never have enough. The Bible said it comes into the life in a bag with holes. It comes in, but don't know where it goes. They're always in a place of need. Number two, there's a second group of people. They're the basket people. They just have enough for themselves. They never give out. They're never being blessed. It's just, you know, somehow at the end of the month, their bills are met. They're always living in the land of just enough. But can I tell you something? 
being generous, having the blessing of the Lord upon your life is not about being a bad person, not about being a basket, but it's about being a barn person. Why? Because it has to do with generosity, because it has to do with not just your life, but what comes out of your life for others, that you have more than enough. Deuteronomy says the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything that you put your hand to. And so I say it another way. Number one, you could be in a place of what I call miracles, that you're always wanting and needing a miracle. Miracle in your job, miracle in your finances, miracle in how to do this, how to do that, miracles for dreams to come to pass. Or you can be in a place of blessing where you don't need a miracle, okay? And I know you'll need a miracle sometimes, you know, but what I'm saying, that's not the state you live in constantly, but you're in a place of blessing where God is using you to be a blessing to others around you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God brings you to that place. Now, when we talk about being generous, of course, we got to talk about being good stewards of money, good stewards of wealth, good stewards of finances uh, that the Lord allows us to have. And so we must get some biblical concepts regarding money. And so today, just want to share with you three simple things, just three simple things regarding money. And so write it down. If you don't have anywhere to write down after the book of Malachi in your Bible, there is a blank page. You can write it down there. Just three simple things I want to share with you regarding money. Okay. Why? Because when we talk about generosity, the Bible says where your treasure is there, where your heart will be also. And so money is treasure. And so let me say three things. Number one, Money is a tool. And I put the subtitle as don't make it an idol. You know, money is a tool. The Bible concept of money is that it is a tool given in your hands to fulfill your assignment. For example, a carpenter okay, uses the hammer as a tool. He doesn't worship the hammer. It's a tool. Why? Because he has an assignment on hand. And so in the same way, like a carpenter uses a hammer, we use money to fulfill the purposes that are established in our heart. How do we do that? How do we use money as a tool? Well, to, by practicing the principle of giving. Why? Because it's an important principle that the Bible uh, helps us to understand. Why? Well, let me give you some reasons. Number one, giving activates the dying process of selfishness. When we learn to steward finances properly and we learn to give, guess what it does? It kills self-centeredness. It kills selfishness in our life. So we don't think only about ourselves, we start thinking about others. You know, I've always told people, there are two things that God has designed about many other things, a priority to kill self-centeredness. One is relationships. If you're going to have a happy, loving, holy relationship, relationship that it gives you joy, You've got to learn to kill selfishness, self-centeredness, and make your life about others. If you have selfishness, you're not going to be successful at relationships. Well, number two, about money also. 
If you're going to be successful in being good stewards of money and learning to use money as a tool in a way that the Bible designed it to be, guess what? You're going to have to practice giving. Why? Because giving activates the dying process of selfishness. How else can we use money as a tool? Well, not only by giving, but listen, giving activates, number two, giving activates the supernatural realm over your life. When I study the scriptures, what I find is that when people gave sacrifices, gave offerings, when they practice giving, heaven opened up for them. The supernatural opened up for them. For example, in the book of Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, he gave. And guess what? The whole supernatural realm opened. He began to see dreams and vision and the whole visionary thing began to happen in his life. In the book of Genesis, Jacob offered sacrifices unto the Lord. And the next verse says, and he saw a vision. In the book of Kings, we find Solomon. He went to Gibeon and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon the altar. And the next verse says, and the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. Okay, Again, in the, uh, in the temple, he offered a sacrifice. And the Bible says, uh, the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time. If you remember the story of Elijah, God sends Elijah down to Zarephath. There is a woman there who just has enough food to eat. And he, she and her son, sorry, are going to die. What does the prophet do? Challenges her to give. She takes the little food gives it to Elijah and again the supernatural opens and the Bible says her flower of bin did not run dry. <laughs> Listen, how can you use money as a tool? Listen, by learning to give. Why? Because giving activates the dying process of selfishness. Why? Because giving activates the supernatural over your life and number three giving activates the sowing and reaping law you know the bible tells us in the book of genesis that god has established the law of sowing and reaping why so that you and me can store things properly and multiply the resources that god has given us for example it says in the book of corinthians that let each one give as he purposes in our heart with a cheerful attitude. You know, so the attitude has to be proper and you have to purpose in your heart just like a farmer. If he, if he wants bananas, he's got to plant some banana seeds. If he wants apples, he's got to plant some uh, seeds for apple. You know, and so there's a purpose. He plants certain seeds to get a certain harvest, you know, in, in, in his farm. In the same way, you purpose in your heart. God established this law of sowing and reaping. You know, uh, the Bible says you want many friends, then you sow friendliness in others. When you encourage others, guess what? You reap encouragement back. Well, the same comes to giving. You want to increase in your finances. You want to have a promotion at your job. You want God to bless you in your wealth. Guess what? Take money and learn to sow that money purposefully and with cheerful. The Bible says he gives seed to the sower. When I was 16 years old, I remember I wanted to buy a car. Matter of fact, it was a Jeep. It was near my school. There was a, a car dealership. It was a used Jeep, a used car, a few years old, and it was being sold for $3,400. I really wanted this. You know, I was 16 years old. I didn't have much money. And, and, and I really want, I went and took a picture of it and started praying. And not only praying, I started 
to read the scripture and, and just see how, how can the Lord can bless me with this. And when I came across this word that you purpose in your heart, you give cheerfully and that God would give seed to the sower. I remember I had $50 in my pocket at that time. I said, you know what? I'm going to take the $50. Why? Because I understand the laws of sowing and reaping. Why? Because that's how my mom and dad taught me. You know, for example, I always tell people, uh, you know, when we were children, listen, my mom and dad never bought us shoes, clothes or things like that. And I know you think what well, my mom and dad probably bad parents. No, you know, I remember, uh, you know, we used to come home from school and, and maybe you go shopping and, you know, I wanted shoes and, and maybe those shoes cost like $80, you know. And I used to say to my mom and dad, you know, I want those shoes. <laughs> they never bought. You know what they did? They gave us $5. Here's $5. And I'm like, what am I going to do with the $5? But they taught me how to sow the seed. And then I would sow that $5 and more money would come. I sow the $10. I sow the $15. Why? Because they taught me the principle of sowing and reaping. And so I took that $50 when I was 16. I purposed in my heart, Lord, I know the laws of sowing and reaping. I want you to bless me to buy this card. And so I took that $50 and sowed it in church uh, that Sunday. And I started praying over that seed and thanking God uh, for purposing that in with a cheerful attitude that God is able to multiply that seed. That week, I got a work. <laughs> I got a contact to fix some computers and things like that. And someone gave me $200 to, uh, for my work. I said, praise God. God multiplied my $50 to $200. I said, you know what? That $200 is not going to buy a $3,400 car. And so guess what? I took that $200 and there was uh, a missions ministry going on in our town. Uh, they were going and, and, and just kind of distributing food and things like that to the homeless. I took that $200 and blessed the ministry. And I said, hey, I want to sow in to your ministry and what you are doing. And two weeks later, the Lord opened a big door for me. And I, I got another contract to work for a, a private uh, company. And they gave me $1,000. I mean, please understand, for a 16-year-old kid back in those days, a thousand dollars like was million dollars you know i got that thousand dollars and i say you know what hey i can't buy a car with a thousand dollars the car is thirty four hundred dollars and so what began to happen is this there was someone going on a mission trip to mexico and they needed finances they were raising money i said you know what i am gonna bless i am gonna sow why because it's a good ground they're going for a good purpose i prayed and the holy spirit spoke to me to sow and so i took that thousand dollars and i sowed it in to that person who was going on a mission trip and about a month later the lord blessed me with more work and and then suddenly i got thirty six hundred dollars Praise God, not only you know to buy the car, but also to pay all the <laughs> minor fees here and there. And what, what, what am I trying to say? I'm simply saying to you, listen, money is a tool. <laughs> How can you use money as a tool? By learning to give. Why? Because giving activates the process of dying or killing selfishness in your life. Giving activates the supernatural. At number three, giving literally activates the laws of sowing and reaping. And so number one, remember, money is a tool. Number two, money is a test. 
It's a test of how you will steward the blessing of the Lord. You know, Will Rogers made a statement. Allah, he says, too many people spend money they have earned to buy things they don't want and to impress people they don't like. Isn't that the truth? You know, there are times, you know, we tell people at your age. But I started also telling people act your wage. The Bible says one man pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another man pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. And so you must learn to uh, steward properly. Many times we are in financial trouble. Why? Because <laughs> we are spending more obviously than we are making. Why? Because we don't handle money properly. Now, God doesn't just tell you that, hey, listen, money is a test. He also puts principles in place to help you discipline, to help you put priorities. And one of the ways he does that is the whole principle of tithing in the Bible. In the Bible, the word tithe simply means tenth. And guess what? Ten is a number of testing. You know, you can't say, well, I tithe 20 percent. No. Tithe simply means 10. So it has to be 10%. You know, as so if you make a thousand dollars a week, guess what? Hundred dollars is your tithe, you know? And so 10 is that uh, number of testing. Why? Because there were 10 plays to test Pharaoh's heart. There were 10 commandments to test the commitment of Israelites. There were 10 times Daniel was tested. There were 10 virgins with the oil. There were 10 people given uh, in the parable of the minus in Luke chapter 19. They were given each a pound. There were 10 of them and told, hey, do business till I come. And so the word tithe simply means 10th. And God has given this principle as a test. Will you steward things properly, especially money. Will you learn to put tithe? Why tithe? Because tithe is holy. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy that the holy tithe. And so tithe is holy. Not only that, it is a way to honor God. The Bible says give to Caesar, to your emperor, to the government, what belongs to the government, but give to God what belongs to God. Not only that, it says in Deuteronomy, it teaches me to put God first and keep the fear of the Lord. And so God established the principle of tithing. Why? To help us put priority in our life. To seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, I've been pastoring for 24 years and I've had all kinds of excuses. And people say, well, I just never have enough money to tithe. You know why that is? It's very simple. Because you don't understand what tithe means. Tithe means the first tenth of your money. That means when you get the paycheck, the first thing you do is consecrate that money unto the Lord. The 10%. Not once you paid the house bill, once you paid the rent, once you paid the car bill, once you brought and then see if you have anything left over. No, that's not the principle. The principle is, listen, when you first take that 10%, consecrate it to God, then guess what? The 90% is blessed. Why? Is the principle of Tithing. And so I want to say to you, listen, money is a tool. Number two, money is a test. How do we handle, especially the first 10%, especially the tithe. When you give to the Lord what belongs to the Lord, the Lord puts a blessing and multiplies the 90%. Number three, not only that money is a tool, money is a test, 
But number three, money is a testimony. Now, when you're blessed with money, you get to choose. Are you going to draw attention to yourself? Allow uh, a sense of arrogance is all about me? Or are you going to bring glory to God? Is your money and what you do with the money, would it bring a testimony to God? And in the book of Deuteronomy, it says something like this. It says, if you start thinking to yourself, I did all this and all by myself, I am rich. It's all mine. Well, think again. <laughs> Remember the Lord, your God gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised to your ancestors as it is today. So listen, the power to work, the power to make money, the power to run business. Listen, it has come from the Lord. And so if it's come from the Lord, God is the source. God is the resource. And so learn to use it in a way that is a testimony to the glory of God. In the book of Corinthians, you have this province called the Macedonian province. A province is like a state with different cities. And in that Macedonian province, there was a Philippi. There was a, another city called Thessalonica and Berium. And at this time in, in history, there was a great earthquake that took place. Houses were destroyed. People lost their jobs. The economy was bad, kind of like the pandemic last few years. And, 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 and people were just in a, a, a great trouble. And the Bible says this, that it says, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in the Macedonian province. Why did he say surprising? Because please understand, the economic situation was bad. It was horrible. They were in the worst times. But guess what? They were trying to exercise generosity. Listen, the Bible says that in the great affliction of the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the richness of their liberality. You know, listen, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of suffering, what shine was not their suffering. What shine was not a poor me story. What shine is their liberal giving. Listen to the same words in the Message Bible. It says, Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gift. When they were backed in the corner, when they were living in the worst times, when the economy was the worst, what shined was not a poor me story. Bad is happening to me. No, what shined was who they were. They were generous people. How do we know that? Well, let's read. Second Corinthians, same chapter three and four in the Living Bible. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more. <laughs> and I testify that they did it because they wanted to, not because of nagging on my part. They begged us to take the money so they could share in the joy of helping Christians in Jerusalem. Listen to this. <laughs> it says this. They begged us. 
They begged us. Please understand, they're in deep poverty. There's no jobs. It's not like they had a Swiss bank account. But they understood who they were. That they were, listen, they're living from a different <laughs> government. They were living because they understood that they are citizens of heaven. And therefore, in the natural, it seemed that they were poverty, poverty people. It seemed that they didn't have enough. It seemed that the government is down and all this kind of stuff. The economic situation is bad. But guess what? They said, hey. God gives seed to the sower. And so we are going to sow. And the Bible says they begged. And they said, give us the privilege of sowing into your life. Can you imagine that? In a, in a season that was not the nicest season for them. You know, when I read the Bible, uh, you got this woman following Jesus with the alabaster jar of perfume. And the Bible said it was equal to one year's salary. Can you imagine carrying one year's salary? And not only that, she takes it and she breaks the box and spends it on Jesus. Here's my question. When is the last time you took a whole year's salary and spent it on Jesus? Now, if that's not worship, I don't know what it is. If that's not generous, I don't know what it is. You know, I made it a point in my life. You know what? I am going to spend a whole year's salary on Jesus. Why? What an honor. <laughs> Why? Because I want to be a generous person. And so I want to challenge you in this season as we are just looking at the Bible in this whole concept of generosity. I know we're just living through this whole pandemic of what the world calling it pandemic. I don't like to call it a pandemic. I like to call it the greatest opportunity you and me have been given to show our true colors of what we are made up of, of the transformation work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And when the world is in the darkest, you and me shine the best and i want to say and encourage you listen stand on the word of god become generous not just in money but in every area of your life when you make your life about others god will begin to fuel you and give seed to the sower and so i want to challenge you in these times Maybe you're a person that you, you, you're not tithing or maybe in this past two, three years, you kind of slipped and then got diverted and distracted. Number one, I want to say to you, listen, for the next 90 days, I want to challenge you, start tithing in the house of God. Just for 90 days, say, you know what, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to practice the word of God. I'm telling you, as you do that, God will show up strongly on your behalf. Number two, here's what my challenge is. For the next 90 days, I want you to just pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you teach me about these laws of sowing and reaping? Maybe you need an increase in your job finances. Maybe you need something for your child's tuition. Maybe there is something. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. I want to sow a seed. Ask how much. And then take that seed and then ask the second question. Where should I? What is a good ground? Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's a uh, ministry. Maybe it's someone who need. Don't just sow anywhere. Ask the Holy Spirit and sow that seed, purpose in your heart. You know what? I want to do this. I want to get this, whatever it is. <laughs> sow it and learn to stand and see God move in your life. I want to challenge you with these two things as I close today. Why? Because I really believe as much as God is holy, He's generous. As much as He's living, he is generous. And people say to me, I want to be like Jesus. Well, one way you can is becoming a generous 
person. And so in this season as a church, as we are looking to the word of God and, and, and practicing this principle and concept of generosity, I want you to take a step of faith and not only be hearers, but be doers of the word of God. And God is going to show up in a strong way in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, even as I've done my part of pouring forth your word, Holy Spirit, that you would release fresh insight, fresh revelation, fresh courage to line up our lives to your word. Lord, to remove toxicness, to kill selfishness, self-centeredness, and learn what it means to be a generous, to make our life about others. And so Holy Spirit, help us today. Lord, speak to your people. Help them to see that money is a tool. Money is a test. Money is a testimony to your glory. And help us to become good stewards in this season of generosity. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.